Call yourself a f***ing podcast. Can there be no positivity in this world when all you talk about is f***ing manager has gone again? F***ing Adrian Clark, f***ing Joe Crilly, talking Jackson Pollocks for 45 minutes. We're not the top 20, and have you seen our budget? Have you seen where we f***ing should be? That wasn't that jolly. This is the Totally Football League show, and today we are South End and Forest free. You're welcome. It's me, Caroline Barker, here to speak with the clarity and wide-ranging vocabulary the EFL provides. Feel free, though, to applaud every point as if we're on some head-to-head managerial debate with me to make it bearable for you, not me. It's Adrian, the breakdown clerk, is with us. For those unaware of your, your Arsenal work, you break down everything, <laughs> not uh, not cars. You don't, you don't fix those, possibly. <laughs> Arsenal women at the weekend. Yeah, the, the way Arsenal are playing at the moment, they make me break down watching them back again. But yeah, no, I broke down the game, the women's game at the weekend. Um, great intro, by the way. I'll try will, not to swear. Will, will you break down Michael Jolly's rant a little bit later? <laughs> I can try. Yeah, that, that will underline and maybe some exclamations to follow. Making his season debut, because we liked him so much last season, it's former Wimbledon, Southampton, Pompey, Ireland striker David Conney. Uh, you're not used to, to swearing, are you? I think maybe it was quite a calm dressing room you used to sit in and um, none, none of the above used to happen. Um, but no, that's right. Yes. Yeah. If I was that good, how come it's taken so long to have me back? Well, we were just waiting for the right conditions, really. How come it's taken so effing long to get me back? <laughs> hey! You very much like Jose Mourinho, who we shouldn't mention because he's not yet in the EFL. Um, don't normally come mid-season, but but we've brought you in mid-season to change things up. Yep. Really, a new adventure and a new beginning starts here. Okay, good. Let's get cracking. Yeah, all right. We've got yeah, one more introduction. Uh, from William Hill, Joe Bolton are going to win the league. Critty. Good morning. He's come in in his Bolton... I didn't even know these existed. His Bolton Wanderers hoodie... Mm. Did you have that made up yourself or are these on sale at most fashion outlets? Every Christmas I get a naff bit of club merch. My my dad refuses to buy any of the football shirts, but instead, as an alternative, he'll either get me like a training top or a hoodie with the badge on or a hat with the badge on. Or a Bolton gnome. No. No, I've not got the Bolton gnome yet. I need a garden first. Disappointing. What sort of T-shirt as well we should describe, maybe? Oh. (laughs) Lionel Richie dressed as a policeman that says, hello, hello, hello. That's kind of the level we expect <laughs> on the Totally Football League show. You can be part of it too with all your merchandise. Actually, I don't think we're close. Are we close enough to Christmas Abbey to talk about Christmas merchandise in football clubs? Oh, we are. There's a, there's a good, I don't know why clubs sell their own toilet roll. Why would you do that? that no that's interest the end in of that, that, no. <laughs> good. Um, now, we had a little chat it before. It is very festive in here. Uh, thank you. So we do have festive lights too. And, and we will have toilet roll to chuck at you before the end. Um, we had a little chat about playing with ex-pros before we got... We won't tell you why we were talking about playing with, with ex-pros. But Adrian, David, do you, do you go and play charity matches with media people? Oh, I used to, before my bad back sort of kicked in. I basically just get injured every time. I did play with Joe at Stamford Bridge towards the end of last season. I was truly terrible, like, as, as was our team. Just yeah. very, very rusty. I, I've, I've completely lost it. David? Uh, no. This was just an invite because uh, I could do with a few managers playing in the National South at the moment. Um, <laughs> managers? Players? Some of those as well. Maybe a manager. Lee said about that, the better. No fixtures at the weekend in the Championship, but that doesn't mean there's nothing to talk about there. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Your headlines. In an unshocking turn of events, Neil Harris was appointed manager of Cardiff City. Sheffield Wednesday have been charged with misconduct by the EFL. This is in relation to the sale of their stadium. They're going to vigorously defend themselves, they say. And there's a chance that Barnsley will have a manager as we speak and as they speak. The man named Gerhard Struber, who was last seen in Austria with Wolfsberger, could apparently or has gone to the top of those betting markets. We'll ask Joe about that in just a moment. But let's start with Cardiff. This applies to any league and the aforementioned Jose, David. It's so difficult to appoint a manager, but Neil Harris saying I'm not the new Neil Warnock, right move for Cardiff? I think it's a it's a big it's a big move, certainly for Neil, because Cardiff's a big club. Not massive, as I did term them, and I got slaughtered for it. Really? But yes, I mean, I they did, are... All right, what constitutes massive? Well, exactly. Um, I guess... 
probably got to be operating in the top six of the Premier. I don't know top six of the Premier League, but certainly Cardiff is a is a really big club. But in a, the confines of the Championship, they're a really big club, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd so, say they're massive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they are honestly. This is not Neil Harris chat, but I I saw you getting pelters for that. I, I do think Cardiff are a big club, resource wise, yeah, yeah. stadium wise, fan base wise. Absolutely. So I think look, certainly for Neil, it's a, it's a big jump. A uh, lot more expectation. I thought he did really well at Millwall. You've got to remember he had, for them, a lot of success. Maybe, I don't know, every manager, as we've seen with Poch, has their sort of shelf life there. I don't know if he could really change things. I know that he really struggled up top, struggled to get goals. He lost his front men. Um, Bradshaw was always injured. Mm. So I, I had a degree of sympathy for him. And I know Neil because I worked at Millwall as the under-18s coach. And um, But it's a big job. Cardiff is is a, a different set of expectations to Millwall and it's uh, it's a big one. Has he got what it takes having worked with him? Will he be looking to resource from lower down within the club, younger players in there? What what will he try and mould that club into? Well, I think certainly at Millwall he, he did well with what he had, which was not a lot of money. Mm. I mean, you've got to remember under Neil, Millwall ended up selling players from for sort of fees that they just couldn't even have dreamt about yeah. in bygone era. Maybe that's because money's obviously gone up, but the likes of George Savile going for a sort of seven, eight million quid. I mean, that's unheard of. And apart from Bradshaw, there's no one really of any note. And he signed Savile for about 300,000. So he'd done really well with what he had and brought a lot of money in. But I think with Cardiff, it's, you know, he's got a mould, a squad, and so many signings that, that Neil Warnock brought in there. And again, lack of goal scorer, really lack goals. It's going to be a big job for him. Yeah, I think he's capable. Uh, he needs a striker. That much is clear. January can't come soon enough, I'd imagine, for him. It'll be interesting to see who he goes for up top. He's big on character, isn't he? He's, he? He likes to look at people and he wants proper men in the dressing room. He's about unity. And I think there are there are some good characters within the Cardiff group. So I don't think he'll be unhappy with what he's got to so work with. you don't with. think he'll struggle to... the accusation no, that was no. levelled at Nathan Jones at yeah. Stoke, wasn't it? He I, won't struggle with I, him. I, I, don't think, I don't see a load of egos in the, in the kit Cardiff dressing room. I, I don't think Neil Warnock would have tolerated it no. for a start. He'd have knocked them into shape, I'm sure. So, so in that respect, it's a suitable job for him. Um, I, I, I don't understand why Cardiff fans aren't, aren't pleased with this with this move. There's a feeling that they're underwhelmed. But give the guy a chance. I think he's capable of getting them towards the playoffs this season. And uh, look, the seven points off it. Plenty of time for Neil Harris. Interesting that uh, Charlton first up. For, for Harris when there's all there was some talk and speculation at least in the papers or on social media about whether Bowie would be a good fit with with what they were doing at, at Cardiff so how he handles that a team that that fluctuated through the season Charlton as well uh, Charlton yeah they're, they're they're up and down aren't they but look Lee Bowie's stock is is pretty high at the moment he's going to be linked with with jobs when they when they come up um, but but right now you have to say that in 11th place in the championship, Charlton are probably punching slightly above above their average. So, um, yeah, watch this space. I'm not I'm not quite convinced Charlton have what it takes to to reach the playoffs. And and beyond that, you know, what will Bowie do? Will he stick around, or will he will he be tempted by a move to a to a so-called bigger club? I do want to have a, a little chat about how you go about appointing a manager because I do think any any league you're in, and for the manager as well, choosing where you go next is is odd. But just for a quick mention for Joe, I know you love. I'm a celebrity. Did you think at the time that Neil Warnock was going into the jungle and that's why it happened? Uh, I, I would have liked him to have gone into the jungle, yeah. Could still happen, right? <laughs> they could fly him in, yeah. Yeah, nice little aside. <laughs> uh, I very much enjoyed that. That that As a manager picking where you go next and as a club picking a manager, it is, it's an impossible formulation, right? And he said that he wants to be top six and this is where the the club will be. Again, you've got to have clarity from the owners saying, right, this is what we expect from you from the off and the manager saying, all right, I'm accepting that and and this is Mm -hmm. actually what I'm working in and what what I'm restricted to. You'd like to think that happens. (laughs) It doesn't always. I don't feel very clear in that. We'll probably get to to Leighton Orient later on in the show and what happened there with Carl Fletcher, uh, 29-day tenure, it, it begs the question, what did they talk about in the mm. interview? Were, were the relevant people present in the interview? I always think it, if you're taking your own staff as well, I think 
they should be part of that process, shouldn't they, as well, a little bit somewhere down the line so they can meet the people and just be familiar with what the club are looking for. And if you're not bringing your own staff, then you should absolutely have the existing staff, in my opinion, in that recruitment process for a new manager, but so that you're all absolutely on the same page ahead of the game. Looking at what happened at Leighton Orient, I don't think that happened. Danny Cowley always says he interviews, he goes and interviews everyone from, you know, whoever's selling the programmes to whoever it might be to, to get a sense of the whole club first. Yeah, I mean, it's funny on that because I was at Wembley last week for the England game and um, we had Chris Fagan, who's the Brisbane Lions head coach, mm. give, a, give a talk, a presentation and it was, it was fascinating. It was just that. He spent the first three weeks, um, it's Aussie rules, right? So it's 18 aside. So they've got near enough 50 players. He brought them all round for dinner not not at one time, because obviously it doesn't, so who's cooking? Yeah, <laughs> doesn't quite have a banquet uh, table, but um, about 10 at a time. And then uh, made them dinner, spoke to all the players. And then when they all left, him and his wife sort of just went, right, what do you think about him? What do you think about him? <laughs> and it said it took him basically, you know, good a good month to get through everyone. Then it took him about three years. And he's coach of the year last year. Yeah. So it's quite fascinating, different ways about trying to learn about a group very quickly. As a player, would you expect... To have, if you were a senior player at a club, would you Three expect to dinner? have? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the moose uh, Would you expect to have some sort of influence or say in a new manager that comes in? No. 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 Absolutely not. Do you think the there danger. are some clubs where that's happening? Yes. The the, the problem. I've been at a club, and I w- we would be on a bus going back from a game, and the chairman would call one of the players. Yeah. And that actually happened, and uh, it, that's just totally unacceptable. Well, just to say, what do you think about X, Y, and Z? Or yeah, and I remember at one club, I was asked by the um, chief exec at the time, you know, what about after a game? Is it all right if I, you know, if we have it? I was like, no, no, that's not for me. But some players will do that. But yeah. some players, I don't think that's right. So in terms of how you select, I mean, I remember talking to Mark Warburton. I was on a course with Mark, and he said at Brentford, it didn't really matter where he was in the league because the owner Matthew Benamond. The, the stats, the company behind the football club is all stats-based. So mm. if he was sixth and the stats were showing that actually they should be 12, it didn't really matter that they were sixth because the stats would just say, well, you're just going gonna to regress to where you should be eventually. Mm. And, you know, I guess every club has their template, their model. For Brentford, it didn't necessarily matter where you might be in the league. It was where your stats were telling you. You might be overachieving, but actually you're going to come back down. And that's, that's, But I think if you know what you've been judged against, it's fine as a yeah. manager. When you kind of don't know and the goalpost shifts based on performance or where you are now, then it's very difficult. Yeah, clarity. Yeah, you, can't have, you can't have players interacting with the board. I'm really dead against that because there's self-interest there. Mm. There has to be. And if I was a manager, that, that wouldn't be allowed to happen. I would walk away from that situation. It wouldn't because it's going to end in tears. You are listening to the Totally Football League show. Adrian Clark, David Connolly, and Joe Crilly here. Joe, we will get to the subject of Bolton uh, in just a wee while. Not in this league yet. One day. One day soon. That will happen. <laughs> Quick word on Sheffield Wednesday. A meeting the High Court then over the sale of, of Hillsborough. A little bit of the context of the situation. There's lots of numbers and lots of stats around it. So we might have some klaxons or some bells and whistles from producer Abby about now. I'll pause. <laughs> that was one. I don't know what you might have inserted then that might make me look a fool, but don't worry, it's not that hard to make me look a fool. So there are strict financial fair play rules, right, in the, in the AFL. Club can't lose more than £39 million over three years. Sheffield Wednesday were on the brink of falling foul of this until they sold Hillsborough to their owner for £60 million. The EFL investigating the how and when of, of that all happened in the inclusion of the 2018 accounts when it was sold a year later. Wednesday say for their part they'll vigorously defend the charges and... It's kind of three problems going here. The timing, for one. The fact it's going to take eight years for the payment to come through. And finally, perhaps the most interesting, the fact that the stadium cost £60 million, which maybe, maybe given that Reading sold theirs for £27 million, might be seen as being a bit high. However, different parts of the countries, the value on the land, where the stadium is, etc, etc, etc. I'm sure they'll use as mitigating circumstances. Football finance expert Kevin Maguire, he was on the BBC saying that the Owls will have to simply provide evidence that the transaction was undertaken at arm's length at market prices, with a report by a surveyor and also evidence the transaction has gone through. All things that happen when you buy and sell a house, right? So should have the evidence of that. Sheffield Wednesday then. We don't know what's going to happen. Could be points deductions. But it does, Adrian, bring up this whole issue over 
two things, financial fair play, mm. one thing, but also the, the ground as an asset where you stick it, uh, what covenants it has put on it, how you remove it from the, not the football club, but the business of the football club and make it part of the community. And that's the only mm. way around all this, isn't it? Yeah, it, it doesn't sit comfortably with me. I don't think it sits comfortably with a lot of football supporters. UEFA, incidentally, wouldn't include stadium sales in in FFP figures. You think uh, that's the right thing to absolutely. do? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, the Premier League and the EFL have come in line together. But of course, in the Premier League, it's not an issue. They're so flush with cash. No one's going to need to sell their own stadium. It, it just it feels wrong to me. It's definitely a, a loophole that clubs are, are trying to circumvent. Obviously, Derby have been accused, haven't they, of, mm. of doing the same thing. My personal view on it is that... that you know, providing it, it doesn't add up. And it, how can it add up when the payments are taken eight years, by the way? Yet the whole figure is included in last year's in last year's books just to just to get away with the not falling into to so much debt. So, so yeah, it is potentially a, a form of cheating, in my opinion. And, and just like Birmingham, I hope actually as a, as a football fan that that wants level playing for, I hope I hope they have to take their medicine on this one. It's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the EFL approved Derby's stadium sale, didn't it? And I guess if Sheffield Wednesday are going to be now found guilty, well, have they enabled Derby's to be signed off? And I think that's what Steve Gibbons at Middlesbrough is rightly complaining about. Mm. There's no way that they should be able to obviously sell it at one point and then put it into their accounts at a different point just to obviously avoid possible financial fair play. For me, that's the, the other interesting point about this is the fact that it's other owners within yeah. the leagues too and, and the league as, as the EFL have said over burying all that's happened the league is made up of the clubs so it's the noise that comes within the clubs too and how that will reflect yeah. on it either and way Steve Gibson Steve yeah. Gibson surely he's up there as a pillar of yeah. you know seen as a powerful member of that absolutely well, there's, that there's even been talk that individual clubs may pursue legal action themselves which mm. is another you know can of worms that could be about to be open so this is quite a really important isn't it moment i think in the EFL. what do they do and absolutely and if you can take a model of elsewhere where it's not part of the equation yeah. then why I wouldn't mean, you do that yeah. remove that issue there's a, there's a wider issue in terms of the EFL also allowing clubs to lose a lot of money and it's still being okay. I think that needs to be looked at as well. Yeah, tougher financial regulations across the whole piece. Sheffield Wednesday, just to remind you, say they're going to vigorously defend their case. The fixtures then. Fulham, Queen's Park Rangers on Friday night. You, me and the cold, David. It's going to be freezing. We were looking at the Riverside stand, which is gone. The wind's going to come off that off that Thames and we're going to freeze which well, is the least I, of our issues it is I love going to, I love going to Graven Cottage so it doesn't matter whether it's blown a gal it's a great place to go and watch your football off the tube that little particularly when it's when it's dark so as it will be by the time I get there off the tube that little walk down walk to Craven park, Cottage yeah, yeah, yeah. It's down beautiful. Seeing it. Bishop's Park brilliant a brilliant brilliant night under the lights and Friday nights have, have turned up a few interesting results in the championship this season Fulham. Interesting interviews as well, actually. <laughs> don't, don't let's <laughs> let's not even worry about. Oh, Scotty Parker. That's going to be fun on Friday night. I, I, I want Scott Parker to do well at Fulham. I absolutely do. You know However, what? no, no, no. I just um, I, do you know what Fulham are this season? As a well, as a I've team? I've seen them a few times, and and I haven't totally been impressed at the times that I've seen them but um, I did a coaching course with Scott and I'm really hoping that he, he goes on to do well but he's finding it hard to get the right formula in terms of what they are I don't like for example that the wingers play on the wrong side mm. I'd prefer Knockart to be on his natural left foot I know he's traditionally done well playing off the opposite side and Cavalero on his natural side too because I think it's all a little bit congested and they've got Mitrovic who's I know he's suspended for this game but he's got the outstanding striker I mean their mm. squad is just phenomenal for the championship they should be walking it and I guess that's probably the problem a lot of possession not that much cutting edge but he the the players and equally you're saying that you've worked with him when, when he's been coaching and they're like too the players seem to enjoy his his coaching style and, and working with him as well so it's just you, you kind of wonder whether it's they need that one big result which would be thumping QPR at home wouldn't it on a Friday night <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, I'm completely with David on the style of play. They're just running down too many cul-de-sacs. Everything's slowing down inside the final third. 
I think inverted wingers work great if you've got fullbacks that are really dynamic. And, and Joe Bryan's more than capable of, of it down the left in particular. But if you've got two fullbacks that are allowed to push on mm. inside the final third and deliver a stream of crosses, then, then it can work just fine. But we haven't seen enough of that from Fulham, who haven't beaten anyone in the top 12 this season, which I think is quite, quite a telling stat, really, f- from their end. They've, they've been really strong against teams that have struggled not beaten anyone of note so uh, if they were to beat QPR in this derby it will have it could arguably be their best result of the campaign and it would stick them back into those those playoff positions as well which mm. you know, I know we're still well, they got but... thumped as well didn't they by Hull I think in their yeah, in their really last home game yeah <laughs> so they've they've sat on that for quite a while haven't they it'd well, be, it'd be interesting guess, to see the reaction yeah and the problem is I don't know who else is going to come in and score goals I know Bobby Reed obviously but he hasn't got one in an awful long time and was the championship you know top marksman a couple of years ago at Bristol but that's what I mean it's, it's a perfect opportunity for him Absolutely. again isn't but it but he can't really play that lone role by himself no. that's not really him so yeah it might be back to the drawing board I don't know what they do because I doubt he'll change his shape and play well, so two how, forwards how would he adapt then to, to bring Bobby Reid in I don't know. As I said, I don't think he'll play two forwards unless mm. he he plays him up there by himself in a light for light change and just keeps it as it is. Is four three three. It was it was Mitrovic that punished that error by Camp last time out mm. as well, wasn't it? So you're right. A big miss. And that did come from a fullback putting the ball into the box from a good area. Christie, it was. Um, so so that maybe is the prototype of the way they. Need he only to move came on. on, didn't he? Yeah. he came. Mm. He didn't start the game, and they certainly need a little bit more threat from out wide from those fullbacks. So what of QPR then? Are they a contrast to the squad that Fulham have? You know, no, he's, he's done well with, with the parts that he's got. Has he overachieved? With I, well, my view of QPR is that they've got a load of flair, like, great to watch. You know, Izzy Chair, guys like this, Naki Wells and Hoogill, I think is a good partnership in the making. My issue f- with them is is at centre-back in the central midfield. I just think they're a bit weak there and they knit, they're lacking, particularly in central midfield, championship nous. And when I look at this matchup, that I think is where they might end up struggling QPR in central midfield. They could easily get dominated by, by Fulham in the game. What they do have is from those counters and turnovers, players like Eze that can that can hurt Fulham. So I, th- I think it's a really interesting match. Should be a good yeah. one. I think that they're going to have to improve on the Brentford performance because I was at Loftus Road then and they were no way near what they could be. I mean, Brentford were excellent. Yeah. But they just blew him away. Just absolutely blew him away. He he played a sort of different formation. He played Eze out wide on the right. Didn't suit him. Then he changed them over. He changed his wingers halfway through. They've conceded so many goals. Something like 30 in 16 games. Uh, Leisner, just give him the ball and hopefully he'll give it back to you. That would be what Fulham would be saying. So look, I think he's done really well, Mark, with what he's got. He's done really well. But there's no doubt they've had a bit of a drop off. Yeah, I was was at the um, QPR Middlesbrough 2-2 as well and I just both sides I think there'll be loads of goals and both I think will come out with oh I don't know don't make me say I'm not going to say you're not even making me so I don't even know why I'm looking at you Joe say something good and let's talk about one of the other fixtures so we'll get the odds from Joe in just a minute Luton leads <laughs> go on then have a guess at that one 4-0 leads I <laughs> <laughs> I've been really impressed with Leeds, actually. I think I think they're playing better this season than they were for last. And they're beginning to find a bit more penetration, aren't they? A bit more incision inside the final third. Loads to like about them. And they've even, I think, mixed up their tactics a bit better. Uh, Bielsa's not always gone with a 4-1-4-1. It's, he has used his famous 3-3-3-1, which I really like because it could completely bamboozle opposition managers. But no, there's a lot to like about Leeds. And... I'm not impressed by what's really happening at Kenilworth Road under under Graham Jones. I think he's starting to panic a little bit with his decision making. He revamped his defence, didn't he? He took Mm. out Sonny Bradley, put in a player that for his debut has been there for an awful long time and it didn't work at Reading. Yeah, they, they they just concede too many goals and... I know that they've lost a lot of good players, Luton, but the new Luton aren't a patch on the side that came up, I'm afraid. Difficult for them. Of Nathan Jones going back in, which is... Is there. Yeah, and obviously he's had such great success there. Would you put him back in there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, uh, but I can see that obviously if things continue for Graham as they are at at this moment in time, it'd be like a natural fit, wouldn't it? yeah, he did so well there. The thing is, he, he would know that, and, and Graham is, is currently in the job, of course, 
they have to do a complete rebuild, and that's how you have to see Luton now, isn't it? Because of the players that, that have gone, because yeah. of how things have changed. Well, they used to be such an attacking threat. Yeah. It gets ready, yeah. and they had one shot on target. And I yeah. guess, you know, at least you knew in the Nathan Jones team, certainly at Luton, he he had it. But you've got to remember, obviously, the fullbacks are gone. It's a little bit changed from, obviously, when he was last there. They're a very vibrant team in League One, very attack-minded, and I'm not seeing that same level from them. That I think, psychologically picking up so few points has damaged them and damaged their morale. And when you're that free-flowing, vibrant, attacking side, when results are going against you, that, that's going to hurt you more because mm. they rely more on confidence than a lot of other teams who, who focus on organisation. So, yeah, Luke, Nathan back to Luton would be fascinating because they kind of had a bit of a chirp at each other, didn't they? Nathan and uh, the, the Gary Sweet, wasn't it? I don't think it was left on the best of terms, but I guess... You know, if they, if they see him as the as the man to get them out of the mire, maybe it could they happen. They were well compensated, though, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, they got they got really well paid from Stoke, and they've got tough games coming. They've got Charlton and Brentford next. Give them some money back, yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I something about Luton Leeds tells me, Joe Crilly, that it won't be maybe as convincing a win for Leeds as, as some might say. Anyway, what say you? Uh, well, we think it's going to be a convincing win for Leeds. <laughs> um, they're one to two to get the win. Luton eleven to two in the draw, hundred to thirty. What about the Fulham QPR on Friday night? Uh, another relatively one-sided, uh, one-sided betting outcome. Four to five for Fulham to win. Uh, Seventeen to five for QPR and fourteen to five for the draw. Thank you, Joe. Well, the championship covered to some extent, a longer extent than perhaps some were thinking. Producer Abby, let's uh, look to a place that is starting to become a happy hunting ground for some wanderers. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30, new online customers only. Minimum £10 stake, win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets, 30 day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. Interleague won where there were just five matches at the weekend, and king of all of those results in the room was Joe Crilly. Bolton Wanderers won, MK Dons nil. That was your chance to take over the position of Charlotte Green and read the football classifieds every week, and you lost it. 93 minutes. It took a play. About 30 seconds left, but here's Luke Murphy round the back. Oh, goal for Bolton! It's Daryl Murphy who missed the penalty, but he surely won it in the game's final seconds. Three wins on the bounce then to get Wanderers to break into positive numbers. They've now got one point. Even, even, I'm supposed to say I'm starting to believe they might survive. At the other end of the table with a different kind of wanderer, Gareth Ainsworth's Wickham top after two goals in two minutes. Akinfemer again doing the business there. Every home team took the W in League One last weekend. Well done them, unless you were an away team, in which case, no. What's happened to Bolton then, Joe? Our regular pit stop to say Keith Hill deserves a medal of some sort? Yeah, I just think that the team are starting to believe now that they can win. It, I think... I think it was over the last two seasons, Bolton have lost 52 matches over the last two seasons. Uh, and I think with all the issues that were going on at the club, I think the players and the fans were able to say, well, the reason why the club are doing so badly is because of the issues that are going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Now that that's all sorted, there's new players in who don't, uh, the majority of whom don't have the baggage uh, of the last few seasons of not being paid and getting into that losing mentality. And I just think uh, Keith Hill has just galvanised the, the team into a, a, a position where they go out and they think that they can win every match. Now, we, we, we talked and last week. they know week. what they're doing. They're organised, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. They're, and they fully deserve the win against MK Dons at the weekend as well. It's not like they're, they're just getting over the line. They're, they're winning these matches, and deservedly so. And we spoke last week about potentially some of the players on loan leaving in January that yeah. that is an issue the other issue is that well last Friday it was meant to be announced what Bolton's points deduction would be for failure to fulfill a couple of fixtures so that will probably take the club back into negative points it hasn't yet been announced 
there's talk that it may well be later today, uh, but given how the EFL like to drag their heels over things like this, uh, I'm not holding my breath to find that out. And it could be as little as three points. It could be as big as 10, 11, 12, which would be a real uh, kick in the teeth for mm. the team, uh, especially as they've played so well. But Given all of that... If he still if he keeps them up after all of that, then LMA he's got to be manager of the year, isn't he? Yeah, Out of, it'd be amazing. Really? It'd be extraordinary. Yeah. He's, he's doing a great job. Brand new team. I still think that they need promotion form mm. to survive, don't they? And, and I think to do that with a team that's just been thrown together, I, th- I still think it's pretty almost impossible. Psychologically, great for them now. Yeah. Positive points, which is why it would hit them again if they get another Absolutely. points deduction. Yeah, and they were brilliant against Fleetwood. You know, I think Dal Murphy and O'Grady, that must be a real heavy front <laughs> because Chris O'Grady is, um, you know, he's muscular. He's a strong boy. And him and Daryl, I'd say, would rough quite a few feathers, certainly. And great to see Daryl. I played with both of them. Chris was at um, Leicester when I was there. Daryl, obviously, I played with. Um, great to see them both doing well. Would they, would they tip it if Akinfenwa was on the other scales? Oh, that would be, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I think they might, you know, there, there might be some kind of rift somewhere in the world some plate might shift <laughs> as a result of that happening if that's a positive then which it is for Bolton well done Joe in a non-condescending way slightly condescending all that's happening at Sunderland at the moment if you went on social media this morning in between the Jose Poch Jose Poch Jose Poch Jose Poch every so often you'd see Roker report talking a little bit about what happened for, for Sunderland losing to Gillingham after extra time their, their replay on Tuesday night some of the letters they have letters to Roker report. What an abysmal performance. Some of these players don't deserve to win the sh- wear the shirt. Lowest position ever, out of their depth. And Jack Ross didn't have a plan B and got sacked. Phil Parkinson hasn't got a plan A, writes another. Are Sunderland fans right to worry at the moment? Mm. Phil Parkinson, is he, is he managing under difficult circumstances? And so in the same way that you've just said about Bolton, Joe, should it be not about Phil Parkinson, but about... The club behind it. No, I think he's got a good enough squad to work with. I think a good enough squad to, to go up. They're fairly consistent on that throughout throughout this season. They're just not playing very well at the moment, particularly going forward. I mean, yeah. no shots on target, I don't think, against Gillingham. The previous performance in the Cup against them was dire by all accounts. They've just hit a bit of a wall. When we had Phil on the show here, they'd just beaten Tramere 5-0. And since then, they've barely had a shot, which is a real surprise. So, so they desperately need a bit of a reboot in this game. It's got a big feel about it, hasn't it? Sunderland against Coventry. The one thing in their favour is that at the Stadium of Light, unlike when they were in that downward spiral Sunderland where they couldn't get a point at home. They're really strong still mm. on home turf. So, so, And they're unbeaten at the Stadium of Light in the league this year. So so, so that's something for them to cling on to. Uh, yeah, the mood's not good, though. He's got a bit of work to do. He's just got to get the juices flowing, hasn't he, Phil Parkinson? Yeah. Inject a bit more energy into the team. Certainly when they keep losing, basically, in every away game they turn up to. I mean, the Scumfort game, I think everyone felt, certainly the fans, that might have been the lowest point. But I don't know, maybe the Gillingham one is now. Hopefully he has Mark McNulty. I don't know if he's going to be fit. Um, obviously, Will Grigg is struggling for goals badly. Wyke is out. I mean, McNulty up against, I guess, Coventry's former side where he did brilliantly. But they need some goals desperately. And Coventry are superb. I've seen them quite a few times. Um, I was going to say at home. It kind of is their home, isn't it? St. Andrews. But it's a bit odd going there thinking, right, let's put in something. They've adapted um, well to going there. They've adapted really yeah. well. And actually, the game I saw from St. Andrews was against Tramier. They actually lost really close to the end, but they were excellent. They just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. But they've got them playing really good football, very confident. Mm. And there's, there's his way, Mark Robbins, and uh, it's a really good one. I've got some breaking news mm-hmm. to tell you, which won't be breaking by the time that people listen to this. So it's just breaking for you lot in here. Hold it. I'm not going to tell you. Just briefly tell me about Ipswich Blackpool and then I'll tell you the breaking news. <laughs> Is that why they call it tea? Yeah. In the business. Are you teased? <laughs> Ipswich Blackpool? Yeah. Oh, good game. Really good That's game. That's all you needed to say. Uh, <laughs> Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I do. But go on. No, no, Don't no. No, keep no, it. no, I'm keeping no I, think it's a great, I think it's a really good game. I think we'll learn a lot about Ipswich and how good they are in the next three games. They've got Blackpool, Wickham and Coventry. They haven't played at home for ages. And I think the team itself, the main 11, have not played a game for ages. They've been rested in the cup competition. So they'll be nice and fresh for this one. But Blackpool... Blackpool are, are, a, are a dangerous team in forward areas. So I, I think this is a, this is a game that Ipswich could get beaten actually on home turf. They lost their last home game against Rotherham. 
I think if Simon Grayson's team rock up there, play with the kind of confidence they've had on home turf, they can, they can get a good result. Well, they beat Peter Brown, didn't they? So you never know. And they're in great form. And it sounds like off the pitch. Now, I don't know, maybe like, like Bolton Blackpool seem to be going places, got a new CEO. You know, they've, they've got the wheels in motion there, certainly, mm. that I think they're going places, Blackpool. Do you want to offer me odds on either of those two games before I bring you the not breaking, breaking news, depending on when you're listening to this? I'll do it quickly because I'm very excited. Accrington are favourites to beat Bolton, even money. Uh, Bolton 3-1 to one and the draw 5-2. to two. Ipswich Blackpool, Ipswich 21-20, to 20, Blackpool 14-5 to five and the draw 9-4. to four. Okay, here is your not breaking, breaking news. Who am I? Who am I describing? A product of the Red Bull coaching system, a 13-year playing career as a combative midfielder, hung up my boots in 2007, and I will begin my new role immediately. Stupa. Yeah. Exciting Austrian coach arrives at Oakwell from Wolfsburger AC. We are delighted, reads the statement on the Barnsley website, to announce the appointment of Gerhard Struber as Barnsley Football Club's new first team coach. Speaking to Barnsley FC... .co.uk. He says, I'm extremely happy and proud that everything's worked out. I'd like to thank, etc., etc., etc. Now's the time for everyone to pull together the board, the management team, the squad, the wider club staff, and of course, our passionate supporters. I can't wait to start working for this club and town, and especially to meet you all at the game this weekend. Very positive statement, yeah. but obviously, does he know? The whole back line is gone from last season. I just wonder how many of these managers really know. Oh, you had to really put a damper on it. Well, do they really know, say, the history of how they got up from League One, maybe? And well, you're a mug know. if you don't go and look at it, aren't you? Yeah. Do you think? I don't know. Well, I would be watching. I would have got made sure that I got the DVDs of the last, you know, five six games just to to have a good idea of what I was taking over. A bit of a yapstam lookalike. That's, that's as much as I know about Gerhard Struber right now. Except he's not really a yapstam lookalike. He's only he's only five foot eight, so he's a mini mini yap. <laughs> Now, how many, if you put him on the scales with... Uh, no, um, <laughs> let's, let's not do that one. You're, you're right, though. You've got to have a look at the history, but there's a point, surely, as a manager, where you think, I want to go and make it an English game again, where that, that tips, and you think, oh, I'll just give it a go. I think I can do it. And if you're confident in yourself, you're going to think you can do anything. Well, football's football. And if you are, you believe that you're a good coach, then you should be able to transfer those skills wherever you go. It's, yeah, but but I think it's a dereliction of, of duty to yourself if, if you don't at least look into it. Anyway, by the time people listen to this, this was yesterday's news, right? So on to League Two we go. That ends our, our League One stroke championship chat again. Up next, League Two. Listeners... I don't know why I get posh around Harry, but I do. Listeners, it's that time of year when you need to start thinking about what to get Uncle Tim for Christmas. And, well, you just haven't got a clue. Well, rather than getting the usual pair of socks, Adrian, do you have a better idea? Well, I think that Harry's razors is a really good shout. And I'll tell you why. But for Auntie Meryl, just not no, just because Uncle Tim. My dad's called Harry. Right. And this is a true story. I bought him Harry's razor with a H engraved in it. You can get yourself a personalised Harry's razor. Is and that I, actually true? That is true. Do that I need to fact check it? No, it's actually true. <laughs> right. I can even vouch for them being a great shave too. Right. Good. Uh, what do you get? Well, let me tell you for what you get for a close and comfortable shave. You get a weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade you do, a rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. <laughs> uh, Adrian, I'm hearing that, that listens to the Totally Football League show, this show, you can get started shaving with Harry today by claiming your trial set for just £3.95. Is that what you did? No, I didn't. But, but please do do that do and support our podcast and get your trial set delivered to you including a razor handle five blade cartridge a foaming shave gel and a travel blade cover just go to harrys.com forward slash footy that's harrys.com forward slash f-o-o-t-i-e give uncle tim and adrian a treat get him some harry's this is the totally football league show with caroline barker League two then on the Totally Football League show. And this is where it's all happening. No, it is. Just because it goes from bad to worse for Macclesfield, who did play against Mansfield at the weekend. Nil-nil there, but people are saying they've got something about them that might not work out well. It's all about paying bills. And is it going to happen? Won't it happen? Essentially, all that's happening off the pitch may be distracting from that. 
on it. Jolly's off from Grimsby after an F off with a journo, which saw the former manager swear 58 times in four minutes. I'm reading this because it's perfect. Grim, full stop, spee. Thank you, Abby. Uh, it was perfectly delivered too. After less than a month together, Carl Fletcher and Leighton Orient have called it off. Uh, when you know, you know, you know, right? And Stevenage caretaker boss Mark Sampson has been charged with using racist language by the FA. He has until the 6th of December to respond to that. Managerial changes are plenty. Then 58 times in four minutes, every four seconds, that's a swear. I mean, that goes beyond punctuation, doesn't it, for, for Mr Jolly? You've got, you got to look after your your local journalists, those that you talk Definitely. to. That's the first rule, I think, of in the management handbook is get on the right side of your local radio and local newspaper journalists. It's, 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 it's basic. It really is. You don't you don't tear into them and because they will stitch you up and they will publicise it and they will ultimately will come back on you and um, yeah just just a really bad mistake on his part. What One F you can sometimes get away with uh, pointing case Gareth yeah, no, Bale but, on live TV. But the, the late, great Geordie Armstrong who I worked with at Arsenal, Arsenal Reserves, not one of the nicest fellas you could ever wish to meet. But, but in a football dressing room, it would just be... You know, an F word would just flow every every two or three words, mm. and it, it, you just he wouldn't take any notice of it. And this this one, it was it was real personal abuse. It was it was tearing the heads off individuals in in a very unpleasant manner. Should should a manager lose their job for that? Is is one question probably take too long to answer? Mm. But 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 in some respects, I I would feel a touch sorry for him because it's not down to footballing reasons particularly but but yeah it's a, it's a lesson for him well I, I think this is really unsavory because this was before the press conference right and it was secretly recorded mm. and that's a real betrayal of trust because no doubt yes you've got to keep the local press on side but obviously the local press as well often you know you'd divulge things to off the local the record, press yeah. yeah you'd keep them on on side you'd have stuff off the record and um, it's a real it's true it doesn't sit well with me because if I think back recently you look at the um, South Africa rugby coach Checker where he was recorded voice recorded obviously berating his own team and uh, as, as bad as it was for Jolly obviously he didn't realise that was going to be made public and I have a degree of sympathy for him and it was mutual agreement the the chairman pointing out that, that he wasn't sacked but from that point forward what happens with him now and what happens with, with Grimsby now? Well, Anthony Limbrick's going to take over. And Anthony was at Southampton when I was there. He was coaching in the, the younger age groups and former Woking boss. And he'll be keen mm. to make that his permanent role, no doubt. Because he did well at Woking when he was, yep. he was there for a period. Yep. Yeah. 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 He's got he's in possession of the shirt, isn't he? They haven't played, by the way, in the league since October the 22nd, Grimsby. So they've had yeah. games called off for fun. So... And sometimes that can work against you, can't it, as well, because... They've got Northampton. It, yeah, but it looks... When you look at the league table, you think, oh, Grimsby are struggling. But uh, they've played three games less than most of the teams around them. Yeah. So it can be it, it can be a little bit misleading. The goals had dried up. I think there were issues in terms of form. So I think only scored one goal in the last four. So that's not great. They failed to score in 40% of their games which I think given the players he's got available to him in forward areas, that's, that's poor really. So so perhaps they a little bit like Wimbledon, perhaps the Grimsby board just needed something to, to hang Michael Jolly with and, and they've taken that opportunity. Mutual, as it says that it was, three games if they win those, then they're just a point off, off Northampton who they, they play at the weekend. So it could, it could be made up. So it's how quickly he gets them going. But having been in there and about it as well, what that means for Anthony Limbrick. Carl Fletcher and Leighton Orient, they've all, the positive from this, I don't know if you saw this, Joe, was it you that retweeted it? But they showed the, the board afterwards engaging with the fans, Martin Ling talking, essentially that they, they got it wrong. I know it's about giving time to a manager, right? And, and saying what you want from them. 29 days. 29 days. Can we do shortest reigns as managers? Yeah. Can we have a little quiz on that? Well, um, <laughs> who was it? Was it Leroy Rossini? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Uh, How long was it? Hours, wasn't hour. it? Hour. One yeah. hour. Well, it was, it was in the press conference. It was ten, ten minutes, Ten minutes no? in the oh, press that's conference. amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's all right, though, Leroy. 29 yeah. days. He's had, a, he's had a good 
It's had a good go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it's, is. It, yeah I've, I feel really sorry for Carl Fletcher because he's, those 29 days uh, may well have killed his managerial career. Where's he going to go now? It doesn't matter that it, they've said, oh, look, it's nothing to do with it. It's us, not you. It's, it's that kind of breakup chat from the Leighton Orient board. I'm but glad the, you felt that too. I felt exactly the, the same thing. <laughs> but the... But the the board are basically saying we had a look at him and we 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 thought he was rubbish so we got rid of him it's you wonder whether he'll ever get an EFL manager's job again I don't know whether they feel that look we made a mistake we should have kept Ross in charge mm. and and let's make that call now but mm. I mean they have books don't they first 100 days in management for football you need you know can they have one for first 10 15 days something yeah. like that you just don't get the t- it's ridiculous but he had a tough job to fulfill uh, really tough, obviously, after Justin Edinburgh and then obviously Ross Embleton doing so well. And mm. um, difficult, difficult when you're coming in. You've got Ross there on the training pitch. You've got Joby McEnough there on the training pitch. Martin Ling. Uh, Martin Ling kind of watching. You can imagine it, can't you? It's like you're all you're all looking at the new guy, listening to what he's got to say. And if if you don't like it, you sort of raise. You're looking at each other. You're raising your eyebrows, thinking. Hmm, you didn't feel that. Sure about that. In here this morning, did you, David? <laughs> Uh, no, yes, good. <laughs> but but difficult circumstances because they had their way and he came in with his way, yeah, and they obviously didn't like it. Uh, that's why I think, and I don't know whether they were. I'm sure they weren't, but maybe they were. That Ross and and Joby might should have been should have been with him in the recruitment process just to gauge whether they were on the same page in terms of what the culture is, what we expect from you, what he wants to bring in. It, it feels like none of that was done and yeah I respect them for making the early call but I'm, if I'm Carl, Fet- Carl Fletcher I'm thinking cheers for that that is that is absolutely killed me yeah and given all that we've just we're just gonna let's mention Barnsley in league two as well shall we seeing as <laughs> they keep popping up in every other league do you stick someone in there as caretaker just while you do a thorough process or do you the quick in and out and, and do your rush things and then are things too but more importantly on all of that Joe when does Kevin Nolan get a job? <laughs> well he's, I think he's in the betting for all all three of the available jobs in that. Uh, Is in, he? Yeah. Which one's uh, he highest up in? Grimsby. Yeah I can see him at Grimsby. His sec- second favourite for, for the Grimsby job uh, but the bet- the betting's there's no clear favourite. Anthony Limbrick's the favourite but he's three to one so he's not odds on or anything he's not Running away uh, with Kevin Nolan six to one. Again, it comes down to what are the the chairman, the owners willing to spend to invest. What do they want from the team? Is it just to to have something that's a bit stable and up and away you go? One other word on money. Maxfield Towns winding up position in the High Court has been adjourned for two weeks. That's Mike Miney, the the man in the know from BBC Radio Manchester on Macclesfield. Max say that the debt's paid. HMRC say it's yet to clear. Someone just go and sort that club out so so difficult for for everyone involved with it at the moment right some football on the pitch Scunthorpe Port Vale form table looks favourably on both of these Mr Clark it does it I think this is this is a game between the league table won't suggest this but but in reality in terms of across the last eight games or so these are two of the best better teams in the division on the Scunthorpe side, I think Lee Novak's return has been massive for them. Yeah, four four two. Him and Van Veen up front. There's a lot of power there. They'll work hard. There's a bit. You know, Van Veen has got that a little bit of magic on occasion. He, he he can be hit and miss, but when he's hot, he he can be a good player. And and I like the central midfield at the moment with Perch and and Lund. Perch has come into the midfield, and 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 that's a pretty experienced engine room. So Scunthorpe are finding their way. Under under Paul Hurst, and uh, I expect them to be at least uh, at least mid table by the end of the season. Now I don't think they're going to be involved in a relegation battle. So yeah, this would be a good game against a Vale team that are decent. Yeah, and uh, they both actually just played, didn't they? Played Orient, Scunthorpe, but just sat Cole Fletcher, and then Port Vale played Carlisle, just sat Stephen Presley. So I think they were the beneficiaries of that sort of uncertain times there. But it'll be a tight game. I think. Port Vale might just nick it. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably with you on that one. Port Vale up to, to eighth at the moment, just outside those playoffs. It's so tight again. Still. Well, yeah, no one's, you don't think of Port Vale being a very glamorous team. Sometimes they're making their way again, aren't they? They're definitely improving under John Askews, who can be quite dour in terms of the image he you know, pervades, mm. but, but he knows what he's doing. and Because he got Macclesfield into the Football League, remember? Who, so who are the glamorous team in League Two? 
Uh, who are the glamorous team? If, in if Cardiff, uh, uh, question, the aforementioned, Swindon. aren't massive. Swindon are the glamour boys. Swindon surely. are the glamour yeah. team. I know it's Jopelle. They must be glamorous. Yeah. Uh, Joe? I just said no, Salford. Joe's not the ginger. Sol- Sol- oh, Salford. <laughs> yeah, Joe, <laughs> Joe could be the ginger pelle. Yeah, you're right. Um, Port Vale, um, quietly, um, they've been very good. One defeat in the last 12 in all competitions. So it's so not an easy game for Scunthorpe. Yeah, difficult game to predict this one. Answers on a postcard. Who are the glamour side of the EFL? We'll extend it beyond League Two. Uh, any team you'd like to Did you see the video that? of Forest Green? Which the, one? The, 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 the one that was doing the rounds about, about the, they had two, two young people showing us what a green club they were. Did you see it? Go on. It was, no, it was just, you have to see it. If you, for those listeners that haven't seen it, just, just get yourself on YouTube and, and watch it. It's, it's TV gold. Yeah, I'm not describing it. Scunthorpe Port Vale, Joe Crilly, odds on? Uh, Scunthorpe, just a shade above evens at 6-5 to five to win. Port Vale, 11-5 to five in the draw, 12-5. to five. Uh, Next, wobble on who, do we think? Uh, who's going to be sacked next? This is my favourite one across the EFL. While you wander <laughs> on that, David, so you're coming to me. Coming to me, you're coming with me. Am I coming Fulham. to yours? Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, right. yeah, I'm cooking. You've got okay. to bring nine other players. Oh, I can find nine other friends. Yeah, yeah. Ju- just so I can interview you all, yeah. one at a time, decide who comes in next week. Uh, yeah, Adrian, brilliant. where are you this weekend? Uh, I'm going to the game that has the been glamour dubbed type. Uh, El Sakiko, uh, Arsenal against Southampton. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Soon to be in the championship both, right? Yeah. yeah. Joe? I want to go to Spain. Oh, <laughs> you just remembered. Uh, whilst you remember that, who's, who's odds next for the sack? Anyone? Uh, we've not got a market, but if, if you were to just ask me, yeah. I'd say uh, Mark Sampson, surely. Mark Sampson, I'm sure, will be he defending himself. He must always be at the of betting. <laughs> Is he ever off it? Uh, 6th of December, he has to answer the latest allegations against him. Thank you, David. Thank you, Adrian. And thank you, Joe. This time next week, he'll be sporting some other bit of Bolton Wanderers tat. By tat, I mean, obviously, really highly priced merchandise that's of good quality. Not tat at all. I take that back, my lord. Uh, We'll be back with full complement of fixtures from this weekend, which is very exciting all round. As for me, it's to the cosy Craven Cottage on Friday. I go. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, stay safe, be kind and rewind. Thank you, Abby. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. <laughs>